Trailblazing Irish singer-songwriter Sinead O'Connor passed away yesterday at the age of 56. No doubt she'll be long remembered for her smash hit rendition of that Prince track, Nothing Compares to You, but also for her political convictions and the varied controversies, including boycotting the Grammys and ripping up that photo of the Pope on NBC's Saturday Night Live. Music industry insider Bob Leffitz had this to say about O'Connor yesterday, quote, they don't make stars like Sinead O'Connor anymore. That voice, pure and powerful, natural, not aided by studio trickery. Sinead was possessed by the music. She felt the music. She was the music. It was transcendent. It's one thing to take the stage. It's another to lift the entire auditorium. Sinead O'Connor was all about the truth directly from her heart to ours. She looked us in the eye and delivered. She just wasn't made for these times, close quote. Sinead O'Connor and I had a number of conversations. The one I want to share with you right now occurred back in 2012 when she dropped her album, How About I Be Me and You Be You. Hear now that conversation with Sinead O'Connor during which she explained to me why her three favorite musical artists were Bob Dylan, Curtis Mayfield, and Bob Marley, and why for her, Muhammad Ali towered above all of them. Sinead O'Connor has been one of music's most outspoken and high-profile artists for the past 25 years now with a number of critically acclaimed albums, including 1990's I Do Not Want What I Haven't Got. Her latest CD is called How About I Be Me and You Be You. I love the title. From the project, here is some of the video for the song The Wolf Is Getting Married. Um, oftentimes difficult to get unanimity amongst critics, but I think pretty much everybody I have read writing about your new project agrees that this may be your most romantic CD to date. Yeah. That, that was intentional? Uh, well, it wasn't so intentional, but yeah, kind of half intentional, but insofar as I think often it's the subconscious that does the writing mm -hmm. of songs, you know, so you can kind of have a, a part of you can have an intention that the other part of you doesn't uh -huh. know about, you know, but yeah, I guess I, it was the first time I ever wrote romantic songs, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. Um, so most artists, and I don't mean to put you in this, in this bag, but most artists will tell you that when they write songs um, or an album has a theme to it, there's something happening in their life that ushers that into existence. Sure. So why this romantic CD now? Oh, well, you know, the funny thing is that people are kind of linking it to now, but actually I wrote the songs between 2007 and 2009. Mm -hmm when I was going out with this wonderful man who's still one of my best mates, who's the father of my youngest child, is actually an American guy called mm -hmm. Frank Bonadio, who's still my best mate, my other best mate, who lives in Dublin, mm -hmm. just two minutes down the road from me. And he asked me, would I advertise that he's now available? And uh, I've written these great about him. He's delighted that he's very happy that, you know, I've written these songs that have bigged him up. You know. so, uh, so he's available, ladies. He's a wonderful man, absolutely wonderful man. And yes, the, so he's the muse. I, I'm slagging him off lately, laughing at him about how he's amused because he has one other ex um, who writes songs and she wrote him a, a song that, that wasn't so, uh, what's the word, 
wouldn't have put him in such a great light. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got to encourage him that I've written maybe four or five songs to put him in a really good light. <laughs> He's happy about I, that. I, I just want to meet a guy who inspires every woman he dates to write music exactly. about. Exactly. Well, I interviewed, that's what, that's what I was. interviewed Bob Dylan, you know. So yeah. He, and he's that way about women. But, yeah. yeah. If, if he's such a wonderful guy, since you, since you went there, I'm going to follow you in. I know. If he's so wonderful, why is he the ex? Uh, well, you know what? Sometimes you, you go out to him. I always say, look, because a relationship doesn't last forever, it doesn't mean it wasn't successful. Exactly. Actually, do you know what I mean? I or agree with that. Because it's not always romantic. I mean, if you really ever love someone, it's, in fact, it's quite annoying that this is true. If you really ever love someone, that doesn't go away. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Even though you wish it would, you know? So um, now we just get on great, we're, we're great mates, but it's a bit like the same with my eldest child's father is my other best mate, but we're more like brother and sister and you can't make love with your brother or your sister, you know? Right, yeah. So it's a bit like that, so, but we get on just fantastically, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so, and he is available and he did ask me to spread the How, word. How's that working out for him, by the way? Is, is he getting mail now? It's not working out well. Not working. No, that's why I thought I'd hit America. Yeah. We're not talking about my album at all. We're talking about my ex-boyfriend. Yeah, so it's yeah. not working out in Ireland. Maybe maybe an American woman will. Yes, I think yeah. so, because well, he's American as well, and he has a you know, particular style about him, and I think he needs an American woman, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. See, anyway. you, you keep saying stuff I want to explore. Um, mm -hmm. People marry people from around, they fall in love and marry people from around the world in different cultures and ethnicities yeah. and backgrounds and races. So what is it about him that makes you think he needs an American woman given his style? Oh, because uh, I, I guess he has a certain sense of humor. He's, he's quite funny and that's, it says in one of the songs is this line that says, you know, even when something terrible is happening, you laugh and that's the thing I love about you most. And that's Frank, that describes Frank and our son is very similar. Yeah. That they just see the entire world through this prism of humor, you know. And uh, so he finds certain things funny that other people wouldn't find funny. And yeah. probably Irish girls might be, Irish women of his age, let's say, might be a little timid compared to him. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? He's, he's yeah. quite brash and, um, yes, unusual. Yes. If he, Frank, and your son together look at the world through the lens of humor, yeah. through the prism of humor, through what lens, through what prism does Sinead O'Connor view the world? Um, well, certainly a lot of humor, definitely. Mm -hmm. A lot of humor, definitely. I suppose a few, I mean, I suppose everybody has a few different ones, but um, I, I guess, uh, see, the last people to know often, you know, like, see, if I said to Frank or Yeshua, little son, you know, do, do you know that you do that? They'd be astonished, do you mm -hmm. know the way? So often the last person to kind of comment on mm -hmm. ourselves is ourselves. So, I don't know, what yeah. do you think? Yeah. <laughs> um, is the process different for you for writing music that comes out of a romantic place versus music that comes out of a political, social, economic place, because you're obviously you're very outspoken in your, in, in your beliefs and in your lyrics, and I'm, I'm glad about that. Um, but does it require tapping into a different place to write them? Is that a different kind of truth, a different kind of? Yeah, it does. That's, that's a great question, actually, because um, I love answering this question. It rarely gets asked, but um, I like to talk about the, the process of writing. Uh, what happens for me is that, yeah, different songs get written in different manners. Um, the more what Bob Dylan would refer to as finger-pointing songs, which I think is a great expression in the mm -hmm. 60s, they used to call them finger-pointing songs. Mm -hmm. the songs like that, like say VIP or um, Take Off Your Shoes, Take Off Your Shoes is supposed to be the Holy Spirit talking to the mm -hmm. Pope, basically, in yeah. the Vatican about the cover-ups of the cover-ups of the cover-ups. And then VIP is more of a kind of discussion about artists and where they're allowed. With a song like that, I'd be very consciously trying to write a song. I would think to myself a few months previously, I really want to write a song about that kind of thing, and I'd sit down. But with the love songs and with the 
what I would call character songs, or a couple of characters appeared in my mind suddenly that I started to write songs about on this record, like Reason With Me or mm-hmm. uh, Back Where You Belong or that. So with the romantic songs and the character songs, they're more, um, the way I describe them, I'm sorry it takes so long to no, answer this question, but... Um, we got time, go ahead. Um, well, look, some artists, I think mistakenly, describe the process like, uh, you know, some music songwriters, uh, say that they feel like they're channeling someone or something mm-hmm. that isn't them or isn't part of them. Mm-hmm. I identify with what they're feeling, but I don't agree that it's not part of them. I feel what it is with these types of songs that you just asked me about is it's the subconscious, actually. Mm-hmm. It's if you call it your soul or your higher self or just your subconscious. But, you know, the, we do have so much more going on than we know we do, do you know? So um, the way I would say it's the finger pointing songs, the conscious writes those, sits down. But with the subconscious, you know, I'll just start hearing tunes while I'm doing the dishes, do you know, or whatever. And then I know not to pay too much attention because it'll come back with a bit more, you know, that way. Mm-hmm. So the following week, I'll be walking the baby out or something and I'll hear a bit more of the tune with a bit more, you know, that way. And mm-hmm. I know not to get away, but now if I take a guitar and sit down and try to send that in a direction, well, then I'm not letting it do its work, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a, ver- it's a very different process. So yeah. then, yeah, the finger pointing is more conscious than the other is conscious so I hope that uh, subconscious yeah, I know you, properly. it makes sense yeah. I, I know you're a great writer I know you're a great artist um, how good at, how good are you at washing dishes are you a pretty good dishwasher I'm a very good dishwasher I'm a terrible cook I'm an awful cook not a good cook I, but I a good dishwasher cook. I'm a great cleaner I'm yeah. actually kind of addicted to cleaning I, I could clean anything I'm a great you, cleaner you and I agree on that yeah. Yeah. thank you I I'm a great cook, cleaner, yeah. Clean, I, I'm yeah. great washing dishes and I'm great at cleaning the house and all that kind of stuff. I don't like doing it, but I'm fantastic <laughs> at it. So, yeah. I want, I want yeah. to talk about some of the projects on the album that you just mentioned a moment ago, yeah. um, particularly Take Off My Shoes and VIP. I want to come back to that in a second. Um, but since you mentioned Bob Dylan now already three times, without, yeah. my, without my asking about Bob Dylan, yeah. it, it underscores, and I've been on your website, so I know what a huge Bob Dylan fan yeah. you are, of course, and you were on the 50th anniversary album, the yeah. tribute to Bob Dylan. What is it... Um, and there, I'm sure there are a thousand answers to this, but what is it about Bob Dylan that makes him, for you, your favorite artist? Well, I have a couple of favorite artists. It would be mm-hmm. him and there would be Curtis Mayfield, kind of equally. Mm-hmm. Um, I like other that artists never, You know, well, that never, so. ever gets said. Yeah. I mean, I'm so glad you say that. For as great an artist as Curtis Mayfield was, yeah. he never, ever gets his props. He doesn't get talked about often, no. Not really, and I mean, everyone's ripped him off, let's yeah. face, it, let's yeah. face it. but nobody can rip off his soul, obviously, because he had this heart, didn't mm-hmm. he, that was the thing. And what I love about Curtis and Bob Dylan, and lots of other artists as well, have it, Bob Marley as well, um, they're artists who, when you, if you watch, say, the life of Curtis Mayfield um, and Bob Dylan and that, they are artists who, and the same with Bob, they, they all had this kind of commercial success in their youth, you know, which was based on sort of popish kind of records, you know, you could, with some exception, say Bob Dylan, because he was right in finger-pointing, but... Uh, what what happened to the three of them was that at some point in their life, towards their middle age, they became almost someone else. They took a, they went under a, a spiritual journey. Mm-hmm. Some type of spiritual death and rebirth happened, you know. And the person that was then born was a much more spiritualized person who was focused on um, what I call being a light, right? Mm-hmm. Which is what I often think artists should be, or at least it's what I like. Lo- we we shouldn't all the time because shaking the boobies and all is important as well. Like, but I think there uh, are times when artists need to just represent present that the, without saying anything that there is something more than what we just see in front of us do you know what I mean mm-hmm. and like when I see Bob Dylan or see Curtis Mayfield I know there's a God they don't have to it doesn't matter what they're saying actually do you know what I mean mm-hmm. it's the sound of their voice the conviction of their soul mm-hmm. you know um, the, the fact that they're just standing there you know there's a God 
it's the same as uh, Muhammad Ali is one of my other my biggest heroes in life is, is Muhammad Ali probably even bigger than Bob Dylan just turned 70 the other day oh yeah. god I love that man so bad but he's the same you know he's, again he you know he's obviously he's a boxer and I didn't like that because I was a little girl and I didn't want to see anyone getting beaten up but I couldn't why does anyone like that it doesn't make any sense to me at all you know but again he's a character who he went on he underwent this transformation he mm -hmm. became this other person Muhammad Ali I loved him when he was Cassius Clay and then I was little and changed his name to Hamid Ali. I'm like, where's he gone? Where's he gone? I didn't know the same person. I was like, what's happened? Aliens took him or whatever. And then I understood. But actually, it was a spiritual transformation he went under. You know, so they're four very interesting characters to me because they did that. And again, and I read an interview with uh, Muhammad Ali's daughter. And they asked her, did she believe in God? You know, the girl is a boxer. Mm -hmm. I think her Layla, Layla is her name. Mm -hmm. That's how much of a fan I am. I know his daughter's names, but I'm not creepy, I, was, I swear. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, she, they asked her, did she believe in God? And she said, look, all I have to do to know is God is look at my father. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I have to, all I have to do is look at her father to know is God. But I feel mm -hmm. the same about Bob Dylan and Curtis and that, you know. <laughs> and um, Curtis wasn't so overtly kind of religious or so, but I think Curtis wrote the best song about Jesus ever, which was on that record called There's No Place Like America Today. Mm -hmm. song just called Jesus was the best song about Jesus ever but in Bob Dylan's case also it was and I'm not a religious maniac I promise um, it was the, particularly the Christian songs I loved and I love loads of other stuff as well but my brother came home when I was about 11 with this record that Bob Dylan did which was his first kind of Christian record called Slow Train Coming mm -hmm. and I had grown up in a country where all the religious music would really make God just want to jump off something do you know it was, it really it was like God's uh, like please don't sing that no yeah. do you know it's just oh no you know acoustic guitars kumbaya yeah. just the same it was just awful, 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 completely uninspiring. And then my brother came home and put this on. And in my heart, I'd always wanted to make some kind of music that was, you know, Lee Perry says music is the Holy Spirit. And I always feel there is a link between music and spirituality, you know, or to me, there is between it and, and God or the Holy Spirit or whatever. So I was really uh, relieved when I heard uh, God to serve somebody in Slow Train coming and all that. Mm -hmm. Thank God, like somebody can make religious music. that is sexy, it's cool. And, you know, God wouldn't be, you know, wanting to slit his wrists. Listening to it. <laughs> you know. Let me so, when you said a well, I kind of think, you know, God needs to get rescued from religious music. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, so you got God singing Rescue Me. Well, it's like being yeah. in the wrong club. Imagine if you had to sit in that club all night listening to the worst music that you hate. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you're stuck in it for eternity. Like, when, when you say that you're not a religious maniac, um, I think I know what you meant by that, but I'm looking at. I know. I'm I look like a religious Jonathan, maniac going on about you. So you got a T-shirt on the day that says "My God Rocks." Amazon. I, I just saw uh, the cover recently of the calendar section of the LA Times, a huge cover story about you, yeah. with a T-shirt that day you were wearing that says "Property of Jesus." Yeah. John three sixteen. I think as I and recall. And then I've got my beautiful. Got your. Got I'm your, not getting my breakfast. Got your tattoo. Can you see that? Here's yeah. mine. But you're not a but you're not a religious maniac. <laughs> well, would you, would no, you like to unpack that for me, please? Well, yes, I'll unpack it. Here's yes. the thing. Uh, now, have you got a hundred years? Because you know the way they say you can tell an Irish man, but you can't tell him much. Yeah. Right? So, <laughs> well, here's the thing. I, I really believe that God and religion are two different things, mm -hmm. very much. Right. And I, I think there's a lot that's beautiful about religion, and very inspiring, obviously. Um, but I do think that God needs to be rescued from religion, actually, because mm -hmm. I think. The different when people say to me, "What do you mean? They're two different things." Well, there's a difference between you know, God loves unconditionally in my feeling, and religion loves conditionally. Religion spends an awful lot of time dictating who God can love and can't love. I for that. example, do you know, mm -hmm. 
Um, so I'm in, this is why I love the Rasta people and I kind of identify with the Rasta movement, which again is not a religion, but it's more of a movement and it's more of a, not so much an anti-religious movement because, you know, we would respect religion and love it and be inspired by it, but we kind of feel that, yeah, God needs to get rescued from out of it. Do you know that it can do an awful lot of damage, uh, religion, really. Uh, isms and ists, once you start to put things into boxes and isms and ists, then you end up in trouble, you know. In my belief, there's one spirit, I prefer to call it the Holy Spirit. I don't think it matters if you call it God or Allah or Jesus or Fred or Daisy, do you know, or, or too early in the morning or whatever, do you know. Um, so I guess I, I'm a Holy Spirit maniac. I'm a, uh, I'm not a religious maniac. I don't, I don't, I love religion, but I don't like it. <laughs> Is that the way to put it? Yeah. And uh, but I'm a Holy Spirit maniac. Yeah, mm -hmm. but I don't. When I say maniac, to me, a maniac is a person who goes around telling you what you should believe. Prophetizing. You know that you have idea. to believe what I believe, and I, I don't believe that. I used to be in the closet about believing these things because I was uh, afraid. And this is how you know religion is failing because people think you're bonkers if you believe in God. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And also because it's so uncool, isn't it? Believing in Jesus and everything. And all my life, actually, I had a real strong relationship with that, but I was always in the closet about it. But the as f the only uh, distance out of the closet I really want to come there is having my tattoo or wearing my t-shirts beyond that i don't want to go shoving what i believe down anyone's throat and whatever i believe about jesus too is a personal thing but it doesn't exclude all the others if you understand yeah. I me mean, it's all one being like so. how would you explain to someone um that your protestations about the catholic church uh whether one agrees or disagrees is not the point um, or likes or loathes you as a result of it is not the point. But how would you explain to someone how your protestations against the Catholic Church are, are not proselytizing or not telling them what they should think about the Catholic sure. Church? Uh, well, you know, in my feeling, um, you know, I am someone who really does believe very strongly in the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. I, I feel I'm someone who, since I was a very, very small child, have been engaged in, in a very uh, strong relationship with the Holy Spirit. There are times in my life that I believe I've been asked by that Spirit to do particular things as an artist. Mm -hmm. um, not terribly often. There are other times in my life when I'm asked to do something which has nothing to do with art, i.e. help an old lady across the road or whatever. Um, and I felt that uh, my my tear in the picture and, and subsequent things were was really t something that I was asked to do. Um, that uh, it wasn't required of me that I make anyone else understand it, if you understand what I mean, mm -hmm. you know? It doesn't really make, what, what was required was that I would be do what I was told. For, for what, what I, I, mean? I, I get that. For, for, what, for what purpose, since you went there though, for what purpose do you think you were asked to do that on Saturday Night Live? Uh, well, as, a, as an Irish female Catholic survivor of child abuse, I think it was very important that, that I be the person who did that. Um, that we in Ireland knew 10 years before everyone in America what was going on mm -hmm. in the church, you know. Partly we knew because in 1987 the church in Ireland took out insurance policies in every diocese of the, uh, diocese of the country against claims that they foresaw were going to be made. So I understood why everyone here was so upset because of course it was the idea was abhorrent, you know, how could it possibly be true? But in Ireland we knew it was true. And really we required a tearing down of the church um, and, and we still do, lots of us, it's, it's very 50-50 now in Ireland, but my feeling is, look, I respect the Holy Spirit, I love the Holy Spirit, I understand that it's a sin to blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. The, the people who are running the church, who, who presided over uh, uh, and therefore
war endangered recklessly and thousands of children presided over cover-ups really and now are lying about it or disrespecting the Holy Spirit it's very simple mm -hmm. you don't stand in the presence of the Holy Spirit and lie and if you're if you're claiming to represent that spirit and you stand there and lie over something so important as the rapings of little tiny children so to me I love Jesus Christ I love the essence of Catholicism I love all all the others as well whatever you want to call them Allah God whoever you want to call them I love the Holy Spirit I can't stand to see it being disrespected it's been there for me at times when I really needed it therefore I have a duty to stand for it is how I feel you know so um, that was really what it was about and I suppose that was in a way it was um, what would you put it it was kind of an artistic way of saying, you know, this is the beginning of the end, that we want our church run by people who believe in Jesus Christ. Like, it'd be Andy to have it run by people who actually believe in God. All, you know? all, all of the, uh, the, the, the subsequent years since that appearance on SNL, I do, but I'm curious as to whether you do. Do you think that you're better understood now? Do you think that in retrospect people understand that moment better now? I do, I do. But the thing what I always say is, look, it, it really wasn't important or required of me that anybody else understand it. Right. The, the, the person in it all, look, the, the victims now have a voice, which they didn't at that time, and it was important that artists stand up and represent. And Irish artists have a tradition of being very heavily engaged in what is happening in their own society. Mm -hmm. um, so it was important that they had a voice. But, you know, there's someone in all of this who hasn't had a voice, and that's the Holy Spirit. Nobody is vocalizing for the Holy Spirit. And the very people who claim to be aren't. Do you know what I mean? Like, what, what proof do you need? Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? You can't have a church run by people who don't believe in God, you know? So I think, you know, a lot of artists go waving their Grammys around thanking God for their Grammy. But when it comes to a pitch battle in the street for the honor of God, none of them is anywhere to be I'm found. I'm glad you went there. I want to ask you a question you about know? that. Um, there's a song on the new project uh, called VIP. Mm. Uh, and without going into all the details, you really do have some statements to make about artists who don't use their platform. Well, the questions, who yeah. Yeah, who don't raise questions, who don't. I think that artists are the gatekeepers of truth. Yeah, that's and, a good way to put yeah, it. And, yeah, and so, and so what's, what's your sense of artists who never find a way to say anything about what's going on in the world? Well, here's what I would say. Look, I, do, I don't believe in any kind of artistic snobbery or mm. musical snobbery, for example. Uh, and, you know, to me, the, 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 the sexiest and the most spiritual words ever uttered in rock and roll are wop up a loop, a lot bamboo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, so, you know, it's all, it's all the same thing to mm -hmm. me. So what I'm trying to say is, A, you know, the, the shaking the booties and the holding is as important as the other stuff. You can't have one without the other. So you mustn't get rid of mm -hmm. that. But what's, what's corrupt at the moment is that, you know, we're, we're living in, certainly in Ireland, and you know, I, don't, I can't comment on any other country, but we're living in circumstances where, you know, our spiritual system is, is absolutely corrupt. And our country is completely economically corrupt because when you look back to the root of it of spiritual problems people behave in a manner that didn't consider other people and consequently people are starving do you know what i mean and little, 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 little secret that same problem here yeah exactly States. well where you have war unfortunately it has to be said you've got a spiritual problem and you can't solve a spiritual problem with politics you may as well throw a poem into a drowning man so in a way we all at some point you know the entire population of the earth is going to have to look back at you know the, the kind of essence of spirituality which is basically caring about each other yeah. um, i want to ask you one last question 
question before my time runs out here about another song on here yeah. called Old Lady. Tell me about Old yes. Lady. Uh, well, that's a song about um, having a crush on your boyfriend's best friend, <laughs> not <laughs> acting on it. It's writing a song so you don't act on it. Well, not, not that I would act on it, but yes, I, I, yeah. I had a, a crush on my boyfriend's best friend, <laughs> which we all knew, we all knew. See, it was Frank, but how I met Frank was through this guy, Neil, who's his best mate. Right. But I knew Neil since I was 20, but I only met Frank, you know, when I was like 40 something. I yeah. mean, now the child is five now, I must have been 38 or 39 or whatever. But um, so everyone knew I had the crush on Neil anyway the whole time, so yeah. it was fine. So right. um, I didn't know this conversation was going to be bookended by Frank. Uh, yes. At the, <laughs> at the top and <laughs> the bottom. Yeah. But Frank, you have gotten your American shout out, and if you don't get mail now, exactly. then. Uh, Frank Bonadio Bray, County Wicklow, <laughs> Ireland. It's B R A Y. <laughs> The new project from uh, Sinead O'Connor, I'm glad she's back. It's called How About I Be Me and You Be You. I, I, I said at the top, I love that title. That, oh. that's, that about sums up life. If, if you can just well, be I was, your authentic self. Yeah. You're not going to be able to use this, but I was going to call it How About I Be Me and You <laughs> off. <laughs> no, we, we, we would not be using that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I take your point though. <laughs> I like I like Shade Again, the new project. How about I? How about I be me and you be you? The new one from Shade. Good to have you on the program. Thank you. Thanks for coming to see us. Brilliant artist, Sinead O'Connor, dead at the age of fifty-six.